mindfulness mode. Could be a little piece of country music or stand American standard. It could be a, um, a country western song. It could be a you know pop song. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome to the show. Today we're going to be talking with an internationally recognized keynote speaker and author of 16 books that have been translated into 10 languages. And I haven't read all of his books, but the book that we are going to be talking about is called Grace Under Pressure, Leading Through Change and Crisis. And I got to tell you, this book really is excellent. And uh, I'm so excited to have John Baldoni with us today. John, are you in mindfulness mode today? I'm in a mindfulness mode, uh, Bruce. Uh, absolutely. So That's good. I'm glad. So what does mindfulness mean to you? Well, mindfulness simply means stop and smell the roses. Be aware of what's going on. Um, being in the moment. Um, and But I put a little bit of a twist on it, if you'll allow me, Bruce. Um, I have written about it before. And from a leadership perspective, yes, you need to know yourself, be self-aware what's going on around you. But from a leadership perspective, you have to be kind of poke your head over the parapet to see what's happening uh, coming at us or around us, but also be um, be processing this kind of situational uh, report, what's going on. So I'm, I'm breaking the mold a little bit of mindfulness, but I'll call it leadership mindfulness. So, Right. And you've been working in that area of leadership for quite some time, haven't you? When did you first start working in that area? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because, and I, and I like to say this, Bruce, um, leadership as we know it today is really something of a fad. Of course, leadership has been with us time immemorial forever, mm -hmm. but the idea of leadership uh, in the corporate or organizational structure is actually something well, within the last 40 years or so. And so I was introduced to, first of all, I was introduced to the concepts of leadership by my, and through my education. I was educated by the Jesuits. And then, of course, the, the good example that my parents set me. But um, I think I became aware of it. And this is where it gets into the fad. I used to be a, speak, a corporate speech writer. And so speakers would ask me to write about leadership. And um, I began to study it and I would write about it. And then I eventually went back to school. So I don't know, say 30 years or so, maybe a little bit longer, I've been exploring this topic. So. Right. Well, that's that's an important topic to explore. I think that I think that a lot of people are a little bit confused about what leadership means. Do you agree with that? Um, I think it's a good question, um, Bruce. I want to say people know it, and when they sense it. And there are, I, I think I came across a statistic, there's something like 55,000 definitions of leadership, and I probably have contributed a few myself. You know, it's the idea of getting people to move from one place to another. That place could be physical, it could be metaphorical. I like to say leadership is about getting things done the right way, not an original concept, but leaders do what needs to be done. They step up and um, set the path. Um, sometimes they're doers, other times they're quote supervisors, but they're always engaged. I think most importantly, what leaders do is create conditions for people to do their work, do it well, and 
excel. I think there's something more to leader, and that's about finding common cause. What is it that brings us together? And that's really what led me to the concept of grace. And thank you for mentioning grace under pressure, leading through change and crisis. It's my third book on the topic of grace. Grace to me is that sense of connectedness. Grace is the catalyst for the greater good. And so what leaders channel that to um, bring people together. We all want to be part of something larger than ourselves, as you well know, Bruce. And so that's where the um, the leadership quotient comes from. And I, leadership, as I know you have written about and spoken, as leadership is rooted in purpose. And purpose becomes, as Simon Sinek and many others have said, purpose is our why. But from it, we get our vision, which is our becoming or aspiring, our uh, mission, which is our doing, building. And then I think most importantly, our value system, which is our sense of belonging. And what is belonging? Belonging is community. And you know, here in the States, and I hope not in Canada, but I suspect it's the same. There's this terrible epidemic of loneliness. And yes. what we need to do is cultivate community. I think grace can be that connector. I think grace can can find ways to uh, uh, create bonds amongst us. So that is why the, the topic intrigues me. So. What do you think is the biggest change in leadership over the last three or four years since we've had some of these challenges with our economy and with COVID and so on? Right. Um, I think we've seen a quote, humanization, if I will, of the concept of leadership. I think humility has come to the fore. I've had the interview, uh, had the opportunity to interview Julia Burstein, who has a wonderful book about called When Women Lead. And she said that in her research, at least during the time of the lockout, senior women leaders did better than male leaders. Why? Because they weren't afraid to ask for help. Whereas, you know, we men, we don't even want to ask for directions. No, (laughs) especially that. (laughs) Right. So um, I think that's it. The sense of humility, knowing that I don't have all the answers. And certainly when it came to COVID, none of us had the answers, but we cope. But COVID taught us a great lesson in resilience. And I used to do, when I started getting back on the speaker circuit, I would have people stand up and give give themselves a round on a round of applause. Why? Because they survived. And better than surviving, they invariably thrived. They they figured it out. We we came together. Uh, we worked things out, not as expected, but we uh, I think we're stronger for it. We still have incredible problems in front of us, but I think leaders are more resilient. And I think I want to say the best leaders are much more aware of their people and willing and willing to commit to Um, higher levels of um, success for them. Right. John, which feeds you more? Is it speaking in front of people or is it writing? Well, there's a second, there's a third thing I do and it's coaching. Um, And uh, I think I take the greatest satisfaction from coaching. Why is that, Bruce? Because I have the opportunity to work one-on-one with some great people. Uh, I belong to a wonderful organization called 100 Coaches, which was founded by Marshall Goldsmith, who is something the founder of really executive coaching as we know it today. 
And so that's the great opportunity to, to do that with people who want to make a positive difference in their workplace. And that's always exciting. From an ego standpoint, I love being on stage, of course. <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 but you raise a good question because I'm a writer at heart. I used to be a corporate speech writer before that. So writing to me is um, second nature. That doesn't mean it's any easier, but it's it's what I do. So um, so I, I, I need all three, if you will. And John, have you embraced AI as part of your writing? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, that's a, a, a boy. How dare you say I that? Know. Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> I um, asked the tough questions, you know. That's funny. I, actually, uh, the answer is uh, no and yes. Um, as I'm a contributor to, contributor to Forbes.com, and we were issued an edict, which would, with which I totally agree, not to use Chat GP uh, AI. Jet, excuse me, chat GPT in writing our columns, which is good for me because I think chat GPT could do a better job. Now, that said, I have colleagues who use chat GPT for brainstorming, uh, designing workshops. And if you set the right parameters, so for example, on a lark, I said, write a 500 word term paper on John Baldoni's view on grace. Those were, and it came out okay. It might have been a B, you know, a B, a grade B uh, paper for a university course. Um, and it was my ideas. Now, if I did a contrast to another author, a theologian on that same topic, then where does the, do the citations come in? But I think now ChatGPT does that. But um, I think it, a good friend of mine uses it uh, to to brainstorm. And so that's fine. But, you know, the thing is, is AI is going to change things, Bruce. And I told you about our group, 100 Coaches, and, yeah. and we are all wrestling with that issue and where it's going. And I think what's very important for all of us to understand, what, whatever you think about it, you got to get involved because we know the dark side will be there. So let people of good intention exert their will so we can uh, use it for the best purposes. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, in your coaching, you probably have lots of stories that you could share with us. Do you have a, sh a story that you can share with a you know about a client where you were able to really uh, help them to transition to a much better place into a successful place? Well, it's a fair question, and and I think really the the honest answer is no, and again, no, and yes. And then why do I say no? It's because I a coach is a um, a guide. A coach is uh, uh, you know show pointing out things that a leader could or an executive could do better, and it's up to he or she to implement that. So, in other words, like a sports analogy, we don't play the game. OK, it's the person, it's the executive who's doing it. So I, I've had the opportunity of working with executives who've been promoted to the very highest ranks, including CEO. I've also worked with people and enabled them basically to save their jobs just by getting them to adopt, uh, encouraging them to do the work, to adopt a, a different mindset, a more holistic mindset where they could be their best and be more mindful of the situation and themselves and their impact on it. So that's kind of a long-winded answer. So. 
Well, I know that you have two grandchildren because you dedicated your book to these two individuals. I think one's name is, okay, where did I leave? Oh yeah, Trip and Giovanni. And so what have Trip and Giovanni taught you about mindfulness? <laughs> that's a, no one's ever asked me that question, uh, Bruce. So that's a good one. Well, I think that I think that young children, and you know, as parents, I'm, you may have adult children at this point, <laughs> Bruce. So, and, and your own. Yeah, I do. I, I do have a twenty-one-year-old. You know, yes. we were so involved with raising our children that you know it was part of us, and we didn't really think about. It. Now, going back as grandparents, our children are grown. And so we see the the lot the, of the world through their eyes. And it's interesting. Whenever I see my grandchildren when I'm around them, what do I think of? I think of my grandparents and my perspective and my relationship to them. And I was blessed to have four of them a living. And they showered me with uh, much love and grace, and I try to do that. So, no, you have to be aware of what the kids are doing. And when they're my little one, Giovanni's just two, and so he's a, um, you know, into everything. <laughs> and obviously, he has to be watched. Uh, Trip will be five uh, shortly, so he's going to be a kindergartner, much more aware, much more expressive, very curious. They're all curious. I love kids; they're so curious. Oh yeah. And so they're my children are mindful. And you know what? Children pick up the emotions of one another, but they also pick up the emotions of their parents and maybe even their grandparents too. So it's a good question. I think children are in many ways more mindful in a sense than we adults are. Yeah, totally. Totally. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I'm going to cut in here. I do have an opening in my coaching calendar. And as you know, I do hypnosis and coaching. Well, here's one of my past clients who is doing a testimonial to talk about what her experience was. Hi, I'm Lindsay Rind, and I'm from Ontario, Canada. I was just confused, and I felt like I was running in circles in my mind. And I just felt frustrated all the time about not being able to figure out where I was going or what I was doing or what I was doing next. So I came to Bruce to help me put some focus into my life so that I could move to like a happier state. The first hypnosis session was a small introduction and it was just to basically get me ready to know what it was. I remember knowing that I feel different now. Bruce helped me with this a lot through coaching and hypnosis. If you're struggling in your life, send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com with let's talk in the subject line. And we will talk about how possibly I can help you to move forward and to get to a better place in your life. Now back to the show. I know you wrote a book, um, I don't know, several years ago where one of the chapters was about mindfulness. Maybe you want to share a little bit about that and the research involved and what you came up with for that chapter of your book. Right. The topic of that book was, uh, the title of that book was called Moxie. And I had turned Moxie, uh, which is guts and gumption and determination focused toward a goal, at least as I describe it, into an acronym. So the M was mindfulness. And so that's where I got the idea of a leadership perspective and one of the seminal seminal influences on me on the topic of mindfulness is a colleague and friend of mine, Donald Altman. 
Um, uh, and Donald, uh, Donald has written, I think, 18 books on the topic of mindfulness and, and all of its permutations. And he's taught me a lot. So I used him to, so as my, as my Sherpa, if I will. So that, that's where I came. But I think mindfulness is so critical. And I think there's themes of that in my work on grace, because grace is that connectivity, that connection, that fostering community. And if you're not mindful, Bruce, you really can't build or be part of community. I mean, you can't be a thriving member of community without that commitment. So, yeah, I would totally agree with that. That's for sure. Do you have a story about bullying of any kind? Any any story about maybe as a child, as an adult, maybe in business or in leadership where mindfulness would have made a difference? That's a good question. I know that's your area of expertise and you've done so well in it. So, I mean, obviously as a child, I witnessed it and things like that. I was probably yeah. a victim of it, but not nothing severe that would cause any, you know, permanent uh, loss to me. And, and, and the fact that I can't even remember it is probably a positive. I have seen bullying in the workplace um, and that's very insidious. And there's something called the bully boss who is actually absolutely tox toxic. And those are people who, I mean, there are bosses who are abrasive and who, you know, raise their voices and things like that. But a, a, talk, a, a bully boss is one who, um, if you will, thrives on denigrating others. And so that person, and he might be sociopathic. And if the person's sociopathic, there's nothing you can do about that. You just avoid them if you can. Uh, but if if it's truly uh, that sense of mindfulness, a bully is acting with behaviors which do not have any care for others. It's all about self-reward, self-gratification, and they're distinctly unmindful. So if you could get them to adopt a different point of view, and, and here's, again, you can't do this with a sociopath, but you could do this with someone who is appears to be a bully by riding people hard and that. And if you could pull them aside, coaching, if you will, and I've done this, um, saying, do you know the effect you're having on other people? And that's where my, that's, uh, mindfulness is integral to coaching because self-awareness is essential. You can't grow and develop if you're not willing to explore yourself, but also get, you know, a recognize, hey, I'm not perfect and I can get better. I need to be mindful of what I need to do better. So, yeah, I can see mindfulness plays a, a strong role in that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. As we move forward, I want to ask you uh, five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect, John. The first one is this. Who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness kind of influence in your life? Well, I'd have to say my mother, uh, my mother who just passed away a year and a half ago at 92. She was an exemplar of community service. She was a small town mayor. She was an ecumenicalist uh, of all faiths. Um, and so she was one, she was very interested in social justice and practiced that and uh, put her um, energy behind that. So, Oh, very good. Well, my condolences to you. So my second question is about uh, emotions. So how has mindfulness helped you deal with your emotions? It it creates self-awareness. I mean, you're looking at somebody who can be a class A jerk from time to time. And so being mindful of uh, of how my quick words or snotty, uh, snide remark might affect someone can hold me back when I remember it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
<laughs> my my next question is about is about breathing, and uh, we haven't really talked about this. Do you have anything to say about this topic? Maybe before you speak, maybe you have a special you know breathing exercise you do or something like this. Well, interesting. In the book, as you know, I do talk. I quote the work of uh, Dr. Sharon Melnick when we talk. She talks. She's a clinical psychologist. Her topic is resilience, and she does talk about breathing techniques and things like that. As does Donald Altman, whom I also quote. So, yeah, just you know, breathing from the diaphragm is important when you you know getting yourself in that mindset. But when you are speaking, do what opera singers do, and that's sing, you know. Uh, sing from, uh, I mean, uh, breathe from your diaphragm. So you're more filled that way. When I always think when we do this deep breathing thing, we are becoming more physically centered. And I like to think that we're also emotionally centered that way too, Bruce. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think so too. Um, Your book, Grace Under Pressure, I very much recommend it. Are there any other books that you would recommend on this topic? it's my third top it's my third book on the topic of grace and my first was called grace a leader's guide to a better us and that is an exploration of grace as generosity respect and compassion as well as action and energy energizing and my book uh, just previous uh, um it's basically a book of poetry and it's about reflections of during the lockdown of what leaders could be thinking about should be thinking about uh for themselves uh it's an exercise that book might be an exercise in mindfulness really if you take a step back from it uh very short little uh uh, little poems, if you will, at least in poetic format. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that was, I'm quite proud of that. And um, so, you know, I, I'm i am uh, exploring the topic of grace and that's where I want to hang my hat right now. Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Are there any apps at all that you use or that you recommend that can help people to be a little bit more grounded and focused? I really I don't use apps for that reason, so I I couldn't speak knowledgeably, Bruce. So, so your answer is maybe not to use apps. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know what, Bruce? What works for you is great, you know. Yeah. And that's yeah. you know who, who am I to say don't do that? I use apps on everything, you know. So I just don't have one on mindfulness. And I sure. think what it is, I mean, there are some folks um, who've created apps that are in the form of habit reinforcing, and yeah. I think mindfulness may fall into that. And I think there's some apps related to that. Um, uh, one person I will recommend is Chad Lawson. Chad is a composer and pianist, and I've had the opportunity to interview him. Chad also does a podcast, which is called um, Calm It Down, uh, and his new album is is Breathe. And he talks about um, mental health issues, but from a um, holistic standpoint. Um, And I highly recommend uh, his work, Chad Lawson. I'll check him out. Yeah, it sounds like Mm -hmm. you'd be a great guest for the show as well. He would be. Great yeah. guy, too. And a, an, an accomplished musician, too. So. Yeah. Well, and you, being such an accomplished writer and speaker and coach, I just want to ask you about your uh, your routine. Do you have a certain routine that you kind of do every day and it keeps you on track and helps you to stay focused and helps you to just achieve the kinds of things you want to achieve in life? 
Uh, I, you could ask my wife about that. And yes, <laughs> I am a very routinized person. I have been self-employed for 40 plus years and I have the soul of a clerk. I like to work nine to five. Now I don't quite do that anymore, but I get up, I exercise, that keeps me on track. Um, I try every day to practice piano um, and I do that. Um, I like to golf and I golf either by myself or with my friends. So, you know, I am sending retired now, Bruce. And so I don't live the road warrior life anymore. So I'm enjoying each day as it comes. Um, so with music, um, with with recreation, with family, grandkids, friends, all of that. So maybe I'm less, less of a routine now, but more enriched. I try every day now to read poetry. Um, and so uh, because I fancy myself as an amateur poet, at least. Um, and so I try to, and I find inspiration from that. I read lots of, you know, try, I read three or four books at a time, uh, probably because I can't concentrate longer than three or four chapters in one topic. So I kind of hop around, but that works for me. So reading right. is important to me. Um, and I try to reflect when I can. I often reflect when I'm playing music and I have the opportunity um, to play piano at a local hospital uh, in the lobby, uh, where I'm want you to know, Bruce, I'm the headliner because I'm the only one there. Oh, <laughs> so I'm the headliner. Uh, That's awesome. And then I post a piece of just, you know, your viewers might want to know. I post a piece of music. Uh, uh, every Monday on LinkedIn, I call it Motivation Monday, and I do, sometimes it's an improvisational piece, but most often it's just, you know, it could be a little piece of country music or uh, stand American standard. It could be uh, um, uh, a country Western song. It could be a, you know, pop song or whatever. And I maybe tell a little story about it and then why it appeals to me. And I can't say that whatever I do is any definitive version of it, but I hope I don't wreck it. Oh, that's so. cool. I was going to ask you what kind of music you play because I saw you on a video and uh, I saw the piano there and I'm like, oh, I, I play the piano and uh, the piano is a big part of my life as well. So I'm I'm really interested that you do that. So I'll check it out on LinkedIn for sure. And yeah. I just, I assume I just find you on LinkedIn under your own name. Yeah. And if you just, you know, did a, a Google search, you know, John Baldoni piano, you might even take it to my website, but probably or just John Baldoni LinkedIn piano, you know, who, sure. LinkedIn is, it's a great resource, but their search is not the best. <laughs> so that's <laughs> yeah. why. Yeah. So Well, and you heard it, Mindful Tribe, the, the website, johnbaldoni.com. Right. And uh, mm -hmm. yes, we want to make sure works. we get the spelling J-O-H-N-B-A-L-D. O-N-I, johnbaldoni.com. And yeah. you can check out his books on the website and and uh, all kinds of other things as well. And wow, it's really great to meet you and to talk to you and, and to know that, hey, you just live not that far from me, actually. <laughs> Nope, just over the border. And um, uh, I've, as you, uh, we were talking beforehand, Bruce, I've spent a lot of time in your great country and uh, enjoy it and <clears throat> enjoy it. I've always enjoyed it immensely. So yeah, uh, honored to be on your show, Bruce. Thank you so much, John. And before we wrap it up, any final words of advice, any final tips for our Mindful Tribe listeners before we leave? It's going to be a cliche, but I'm going to say, it. look for the good in others. Now, how many thousand times have you heard that? But, um, you know, so I think in our contentious times, we look for flaws. 
try to look for virtues. And that's also a note to self too, <laughs> Bruce. So I'll share that with others. Look for the good in others. So. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for being on the show and all the very best to you, John. Thank you. Yeah, bye now. Mindful Tribe, I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did. And as I mentioned partway through the show, I do have a coaching opening. I've just had an opening come up in my coaching calendar, so I wanted to share this with you. Hi, I'm Lindsay Rind, and I'm from Ontario, Canada. There were so many things about my life that I didn't feel confident about. I was basically confused and didn't know how to proceed. You know, I had pain from, from working outside every day. And then I went to Bruce and we did some coaching and some hypnosis and things started to fit together, click together. I'm amazed really that I could go to somebody and they can work with me for a bit and my life could be so much better. It's surprising that you know you can change the way you think. Mindful Tribe, if you need to change the way you think or need to change something about your life so that you can be happier and more content, send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and put let's talk in the subject line and we will just have a conversation about the possibilities. Do it. Do it today. Do it for you so that you can move forward. And with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.